Justin Timberlake is there in the castle saying, please just come out with it. It's going to be May memes. Please take the eyes off what I did to Janet, what I did to Brittany. Yeah. Cry me a river. Cry me a river. And then what they did to her. I haven't seen any of the documentaries. I'm pulling all this out of my arse. He seems like a nice guy. Played Vicker Street as well. So, you know. Did he play three nights? Four nights, actually. Did he play four nights? Hmm. Yeah, I know he did the Super Bowl, but we all know how that turned out. But has he done four nights in Vicar Street? Hmm. Okay. Well, who's to say who's better? Hmm. I know that if I was on Punked, I wouldn't be a little dweeb. Can you be careful with my belongings, please? Dax Shepard's there smashing up his guitar. Oh, Telly used to be good. Anyway, how are you? Are you good? I love you. I'm in love with you. Um, happy May to you and your family. Uh, a lot of bank holidays. Lots of bank holidays that I'm not aware of. That I'm just don't. I don't have. I don't have Sheila in the office telling me her plans. She's going to Splash World, right? Telling me she's going to Tato Park with the grandkids. I don't have people telling me that. So the first I hear of a bank holiday is when my wife tells me uh, that there's a bank holiday and all the shit I was putting off to do on that day just. <laughs> It's sitting there in a little Aston Martin. Someone's after hitting the gear stick because that's going fucking. Um, a little James Bond reference. I don't know. Is that is that accurate, Pete? Peter McGann, if you're listening, is that accurate? Um, yeah, they all go out the window. And I tell you, I tell you what's, I tell you what every wife loves is uh, you know getting excited about having a bank holiday and having it sell you know having just a break from uh, the graft of work. Kids not in crash, and you're excited about your plans, and then you tell your husband, and his face fucking drops like it's a anchor still falling down the Marianas Trench. Right? That's what every wife loves being like. And not only, not only is it, am I, I feel like I'm breaking bad news to you that you have to hang out with your family. So look, I will be better with my. I'm not, she's not even here. I'm not. I'm saying that like as Terry's in the room. I will be better with the calendar, dear. <laughs> anyway, listen, Sean Burke's on the show today. Sean Burke's a very funny comedian. I think he's bloody brilliant. I've liked him for a long time. Uh, well, as long as what's considered long. Six years is like a fucking really long time for the internet, right? But uh, I found his stuff on YouTube and um, I loved it. And then when Plune um, got good numbers, he then messaged me and was like, hey, man, I really like the video. And I immediately was all like, oh, yeah, um, when can we meet up? Uh, I need to pick your brain, you know? This is when I was just so fucking young and hot. In terms of comedy world, you know, a young fit bot with a nice pink arsehole. That's how green I was, you know. And uh, I was just hungry for any new information. This is a fucking crass, disgusting intro for people who want to hear <laughs> an interview with Sean Burke. I'm very sorry about that if this is your first podcast of mine. Um, I'm being a bit too dirty. I'm just excited to be talking to you. Anyway, Sean Burke is on the show. And I had a wonderful time uh, talking to him, um, he's a very talented man. I've said it to him. I said it to his face uh, that he's an example of 
where internet comedy has kind of gone now, which is great. There's kind of a democratization of sketch where you can kind of just put a towel on your head and pretend that you're an Irish mammy. You know, the green screen technology is built into the phone, you know, and all this stuff is there. He always goes the extra mile and I'm always very impressed. He starts with the jokes. Are the jokes funny enough? Then he shoots the thing. He'll shoot it on location if it makes it better. He'll get actual costumes. He's a serious workhorse when it comes to this very thankless game <laughs> that is Irish sketch comedy. But he's 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 one of the best at it. Um, and I was delighted to chat to him because he's also just a super cool dude. And we also just have a chat about Metal Gear Solid and Pro Evo. Um, Pez, we used to call him, uh, me and my brother. But before we get on to a terrific chat with a terrific chap, I would like to thank the sponsor of this week's podcast, the Dubliner Irish Whiskey. Look, you know I'm a fan of the Dubliner. I think they make a tasty-ass whiskey. I like their style. I think they're adventurous but playful, right? I like the fact that they take a tasty whiskey, and then they're like, what can we do with it? Can we put it in a bourbon cask? Great. Now it's got a little taste of the Wawa West in it. Can we put it in a smoked stout cask? Great. Now it's got a little smokiness that you kind of get from when you put a, you know, a cocktail in a bell jar and fill it full of smoke. They just do that because they put it in a cask. They're wild. And not only can you get the Dubliner on the DLD.com, but you can now get it in Duns, mate. Dan Stowe's, bro. Dune. Or as I heard these tourists in a lift one time, we should go to Dune stores. There's two N's in it, love. Anyway, this is not an ad for Duns. Um, I don't do those anymore. I used to do the voiceovers. But anyway, they go in a different direction. Anyway, listen, doesn't matter. I would like to thank the sponsor of this week's podcast, the Dubliner Irish Whiskey. You can get them on the DLD.com and you can also get them in Dunn stores and they make a tasty ass whiskey. Anyway, now a wonderful chat with, can I call him a friend? Sean Burke. Sean, I have to say that I'm very uh, relieved to hear you who I, I <laughs> that we all have the same fears of looming irrelevancy, <laughs> mm-hmm. even though you, I would actually say, have been the most relevant for the longest time and <laughs> only... You, uh, you, honestly, you, uh, I feel like you outdo yourself every single time. And I know you were saying like, "Oh, I put one out and it hadn't been a while." I'm like, I feel like every time I open my phone, it's the mi- <laughs> it's the mix of first, of course, shit. Why am I doing something? And then like, oh fuck, now he's really good. And then and then third, just pure enjoyment of the video and how good you are at what you do. That's how I intend my stuff to be enjoyed in that order as well. <laughs> I want you to feel bad first, and then bring you back around to laughter at the end. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, man, I'm absolutely the same. Like I, I, I just, yeah, like the relevance, that is the thing that is the, the chain around the neck. It's like, <laughs> because it's off all off on our own back and on the, on the internet and like, nobody's obliged to pay any attention to it. No. Well, if I've learned one thing is that you really just have to like be, you really just have to put the work in and know, oh, this might not necessarily pay off in the short term. Like you've just got to keep going. Yeah. Like the, when I started out, like which is literally like ten years ago when I started making YouTube videos, I was so like cocky. Like I'd make a video and then be like, right, I'm gonna put my feet up for three months. I'm just gonna <laughs> enjoy like oil for pints, celebrate this semi-viral clip I made. Um but now it's like completely the opposite end of the scale. Yeah. I'm like, I put out a video and I'm like, what's next, man? What's next? The next day I'm like, I need another hit. I'm fading from relevance. Yeah. Um but well, I, well, I mean, I feel like you do deserve to put your feet up. I mean, the first video I saw of yours, um, you've been doing it a couple of years, but the first video was uh, kind of letters from an Irish expat. Oh, yeah. Um, 
and I could like I just couldn't watch it enough. Especially like just the line that I kept quoting and we kept doing was the you know obviously this is the whole thing. It's it's a Shawshank kind of you know it's Brooks's mm. letter back to the prisoners in Shawshank, and you're obviously your perspective is you know you're yeah. back to the lads in, in in Dublin. But the line where it's all like whenever I you know everyone calls me a fancy prick <laughs> whenever I say something is grand, and then just the bow that you get at the bus stop, I just was crying laughing. I watched it so many times. Well, I'm glad, man. You probably you would have lived in London at the same time as well, would you? Yeah, well, I remember because like you when you when 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 Plune <laughs> when Plune did numbers, um, yeah. you sent me a nice message saying, "Oh man, that was really great." And I think I you literally sent that and immediately. I was like, "Okay, can we meet up? Can I pick your brain?" <laughs> and then you were very courteous to actually go out for a pint with me, and I just kind of bombarded you. With questions um, when it could have been yeah. like you were probably like, hey, whatever, you know, we're both Irish comedians. Maybe, we'll, you know, hang out, yeah. a little bit, you know, whatever, just be the nice thing. And I was like, all right, so what do you do when and what is exactly your work? Pretty much what this uh, podcast is going to be again, pretty much. Yeah, you know. yeah. We'll just have a review, basically, of how you're <laughs> yeah. doing. Um, no, um, I remember that. That was really nice. But like, because I was I was sending that video around and a few others as well to everybody. Like I was it was just one of those videos. that was like just so kind of original and like. Uh, relatable or, or or not even i don't know what it was it's just the perfect mix of things that it was like a repeat viewer like i'd just be watching it on my own and i was like and it, i was like i have to send this lad a message i think i saw you lived in england as well yeah so it was great to meet up with you as well and that was a time where it was kind of like you were you had blown up and your videos were doing really well and i was like stagnating at that time so i was like <laughs> yeah yeah well that's the way i felt anyway in my head so while you're like having your own show and chatting to The Rock and Kevin Hart. I think that was pretty pretty much at the same time. <laughs> yeah, all right, fair enough, when you put it like that. <laughs> but, like, we did... The funny thing with that, and I'd say a lot of people don't even know about that show now, but we did, like, three episodes of it. We were commissioned to make, like, six. And we never even finished it. Has, has, everybody, has anybody ever been commissioned to make something and then not even finished it? Like, is that... Well, that's a very foreign concept here in Ireland, <laughs> where it's like, make it, make it all. Prove your it's good, and maybe we'll pay for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. we didn't even. I was like, and when that came in, I was like, I was still living in. That's basically kind of gave me the kick up the arse to move to England because it was a Channel Four online series, and uh, I was still living in Ireland. And like the producer somehow found my YouTube channel mm. and thought I would be suitable for that. I'm glad they did. Um, but I was like, this is it. When this comes out, yeah. doors will be open to Hollywood. <laughs> Here I come. And uh, that wasn't really the case. Uh, we did, like, some of the videos, like, did well. Like, The Rock tweeted one of them. That was yeah. pretty bad. But then just, like, nothing happened. And I was like, hmm, maybe you just have to keep making stuff. But you did make, I remember you did make The Rock and Kevin Hart laugh, and they seemed to have a really good time. And, yeah. you know, you sometimes see that interview where, like, they're kind of like, they're doing this as kind of, you know, the one, you know, they, they do a lot of those kind of things, you know, they do a lot of those junkets and stuff like that. But it was like halfway into it, they kind of like, their eyes just kind of like lit up and they were like, okay, I'm into this. That must <laughs> yeah, have been a buzz. It was. I mean, I've never been more nervous in my entire life. Oh, my God. Yeah, like, and your stone sit- face, man. You're so fucking good at that shit. <laughs> One thing I've learned, though, is just, and you know yourself, you just have to commit to the bit. Yeah. Like, no yeah. matter how nervous you are, <laughs> just don't show it for one second. And yeah. I was like, I'm not going to do all this prep for this and then just blow it because of nerves. And like, I literally, I took my t-shirt, uh, t-shirt off for them as well and was like, oh, what do you think of my muscles or something along those lines? <laughs> Which got their attention, uh, as yeah. you can imagine. And like the whole gist of the show was that 
I'm not a journalist. That the idea was that I was an aspiring actor who blagged his way in to these interviews and was trying to further his own career. So I was just yeah. acting like a lunatic. Like yeah. so, at least it was different for them. They probably had the same questions from about forty different journalists all morning, and then they saw my nipples. Uh, you know, so that really. <laughs> <laughs> well, you were It was. It wasn't at their expense, which was great. Like it was very like, um, which I'm sure they might get sick of someone going in there doing some shitty improv, and they're kind of like, you know, yeah. the, everyone, everyone trying to do a fucking between two ferns when they're not yeah. Zach Galifianakis. <laughs> no, oh god, I'm just having to put on a brave face and smile yeah. and nod. Uh, yeah, that's uh, yeah. you want me to do this? Okay, great. <laughs> Yeah, um, so I was happy to make it as easy as possible for them. Um, and yeah, it went it went very well. I was really happy with it. No, it was a great, it was a great video. Um, I wanted to chat a bit about, because um, I found doing comedy in London quite, quite mm-hmm. hard. But I mean, obviously, there's so many places to do it. Uh, yeah. How did you find, how, how, when you, obviously, you're a stand-up, you know, you know, were you stand-up, you were stand-up before um, doing the videos, weren't you? Yeah, well, I... No, I actually, I, I made videos before I did stand-up. Like when I first started out, I just did videos of like impressions and then eventually gained the confidence to start doing stand-up. But I started that in Dublin. I did um, like, you know, I got fairly familiar with nights there and then moved to to London and started doing it there. And yeah, you're totally right. Like there's so much more choice. Like you could do, I have a friend who did uh four stand-up nights one or four stand-up gigs in one night uh, like a few weeks ago wow. like, that actually sounds like hell to me yeah. like he, he must absolutely love it but the thing is That's there's enough going on here yeah where you can <laughs> totally do that and it was great for i got a lot better at stand-up comedy in london as well because like you say i was able to book it like at least once a week you know uh, you meet loads of people you see loads of people and uh, I think that's where I really, yeah, just improved as a stand-up comedian. But I know what you mean. Like at first it was kind of like, that was a good gig. That was a bad gig. That was a good gig. That was yeah. the worst gig I've ever had in my life. <laughs> uh, I did a gig in the reception of a theatre in a shopping centre in London. For <laughs> so, so the guy was like, yeah, it's in the theatre. And I was like, that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I remember this guy, it was a place called the... the <laughs> The comedy that's called Comedy Virgins, which uh, uh, I remembered. I did yeah. that in the Cavendish Arms, wasn't it? That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah in Stockwell. Yeah. So I did that, and then it did gig didn't particularly go very well. Anyway, but I went out, and then there was this kind of like shady looking guy who was drinking a, a glass mug of tea in a pub, <laughs> which I'd never seen before. Weird. <laughs> and that was so I was weird. Like, yeah, so naturally I was like, oh, this guy's going to make my comedy career. So he sidles up to me and is like, oh, I'm putting on a comedy night uh, and I'd like, you know, if you're up for performing. And at that stage, I was just desperate to do gigs. So I said, yeah, why not? Mm-hmm. I think you recruited a couple of other people there. And it was in Hounslow, which is like miles away on the Piccadilly line, nearly in Heathrow. Yeah. In a shopping center there. And oh my God, <laughs> he's without a doubt the worst gig I've ever done. There was like... I cannot describe how miscellaneous this crowd was. The people, <laughs> <laughs> it was what like a, a guess who audience. Yeah. Like they, there was a guy, like, and just, these people have never been in the same room together. And also, was the lad was with only- the bald head and the big and the big fucking orange beard there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was front row. Yeah, and uh, he was uh, a man. And there was there was a guy on his phone halfway through the gig. There's literally like eight people there. It's mm. also like still quite early in the day it was like 6 p.m for some reason 
I have literally no idea what this event was. And I cannot express this to you enough. I got just dead silence and bemusement in my very short set mm. that I did. And I just, I, me and I'm glad to say everybody else. I think one person did, they got a joke and it was just for some like a joke about having a shit or something basic like nice. that. That's what they like in Hounslow, <laughs> uh, which I learned from that day. They like that. Um, well, I remember Alison Spittle was saying that like when you see kind of like early comedians, you can almost play like early, you know, like, you know, open mic bingo. It's all like sh- a joke about doing a big shit cross <laughs> wanking. Another one, yeah. um, you know, yeah. periods. <laughs> it's uh, no, it's so true uh, because like at first you're like, because you're you're still getting a reaction. It's not yeah. necessarily a laugh, but it's still a noise from the audience. Yeah. But eventually, yeah, you kind of move on to a less like a uh, bodily fluid themed stuff. <laughs> at least there I we- hope to one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not there. I still like. I'm looking at like you know you have your your set list on your hand, and I'm like shit, piss, poo. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you gotta hit all the pillars. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, that Cavendish Arms man, that was such like a Lynchian room. Like obviously the floor, like had those like those tiles. But then the detail of the dude just drinking that is also like so Lynchian. He's just drinking this like mug glass mug of tea. I'm, I'm putting a team together. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. It was completely bizarre. Never yeah. seen him before. Um, but you know, it was it was nice to see. Uh, it was nice to hit rock bottom. You know, yeah, to find out yeah. where it was, yeah. comedy wise, and be like, right, you can't get worse than that. But that's the thing. I think you, yes, you do have to say yes to everything. But then you also have to realize now that sounds shite. Like <laughs> now that yeah. sounds that sounds like there are factors outside of my control that will be bad that will hurt my confidence, and I mm-hmm. will probably take it personally. I remember my friend Magnus, who was this cool East London chef, tattoo artist. He was ch- you know he was always like hustling. He, he was always getting these gigs, and he was chanting mm-hmm. this dude who was putting on a dog show, and uh, he was doing catering at it. And he was like, "Oh mate, you should get you know a comedian. I've got a comedian friend. You just tried to get me in. You should get someone to you know run around and like chat to people at the dog." show right and it was and so he said this to me and i was like oh man this is great this is going to be like russell brand you know like fucking big brother you know big brother's big mouth or you know those kind of like talking head things that you were doing the clubs and stuff like that go to this car (laughs) this car park in hackney and there's like the only people who are there are the people selling things for their dogs like no one came so i'm going around to all these owners of these dogs but before the gig before the gig i met the guy who was running the gig and he had these two um, these two pit bulls, right? And there was one kind of running around the car park. And there was another one kind of like chained to like a bollard. And I saw the one run around. I've got no experience with dogs. So I kind of, I, w- I wanted the guy to see that I was kind of like maybe good with dogs or something like that. Because I thought, oh, maybe he'll book me for something else. <laughs> so I went over to the other dog that was chained to this bollard. I was like, how are you doing, girl? Why are you chained? Like, ah, ah, ah. This thing attacked me, like scrabbed my arms, bit me. Um, oh my god! But you know when you're kind of like too shy to like your man didn't see this who would put on the gig, but I was too shy to say it, and so I just kind of came back from behind the bollard, almost like a Bugs Bunny cartoon, like kicked the shit out of. I had scrapes all over my arms, and he's like, "You all right?" I was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." And like I was too shy to say, "Your dog kicked the living shit out of me," but I had all these like <laughs> scrapes in my arms, so I'm walking around being like, "Hey, and how are you doing <laughs> with your Bichon Freeze?" You know? Oh my god! But man. you know. That's there's no audience. There's no audience. It's during the day. There was a lot of factors at play why that wouldn't be uh, a good yeah, gig. Yeah, I know because there's no. It's it's mad. I just hear these stories constantly from other comedians who are like, "Yeah, I was booked for insert inappropriate occasion for a stand-up comedian." You yeah. know, it's like, of course that didn't work, and that must have been awful. 
Did you um, do you have any kind of like a bad first? Because like I feel like when I was trying to do comedy and I was trying to be like, oh, I'm Irish. How do I make that stand out? And then I made mm-hmm. I used to make jokes about how not even a joke, just a kind of nervous offhand being like, I'm in the IRA, <laughs> just <laughs> and just be like not really follow it through with anything, but feeling like I needed something to like. Did you have any of those kind of like Irish jokes that you do to try and just you know oh, win win know. the people over? Uh, I, I can't, I don't know if I, I don't think I did, like, I don't know if I had much Irish stuff in that way. Uh, I'm trying to think, I, I had like, the, the stuff we were talking about earlier about the, the wanking and yeah. stuff, that was more my forte really yeah. when I started out to try and ingratiate myself with people. Well, I don't <laughs> know if I mentioned, but I definitely talk a lot about being Irish. 100 yeah. percent and like the differences between irish yeah. and english people no uh, but it is, it is a weird one where you're trying to as you said get that reaction and then you go off stage and you're kind of like hmm, well i don't really talk to anyone else like that <laughs> and i don't really <laughs> normally talk like that and i don't actually really like that guy who was just on stage <laughs> you know, know yeah. but you're like love me but this is yeah. not me you know yeah oh 100 yeah you have to it will eventually you just get tired of doing stuff that's not like genuine to you you know that doesn't and it's the same in the videos for me but like in the stand-up as well and, and you just you have to keep yourself interested in, in saying it and the best stuff i always found came from like a genuine annoyance or mm. observation you had about life but yeah and i used to go on stage like to g myself up i used to like i, I was looking up like power poses and stuff like to try <laughs> get in like the, the right mindset and on hips yeah so like hand on hips standing like that at the back of the room like hand on hips and then i would run up like they had introduced me and i'd run up and i'd have my hands in the air that's great like but sure yeah that probably is a good power pose but i'm just not the right person to use them (laughs) i'm like this doesn't reflect me at all yeah and and what i've learned now is uh, nowadays when i do stand up i'm the complete opposite i very slowly walk up on stage take my time and looking back at footage like I barely move from the same spot as well yeah. when I'm talking. I am relatively low energy and I've come to accept that. But I think I'm better for it. Yeah. I mean, I still have like, I still have those bad habits that you try and slap out of yourself first. Like if you feel like the energy is dipping, uh, volume is not always the thing to fix it. You think like, well, you didn't laugh at this. Will you laugh at it louder if I say the next joke? I'm always trying to kind of fill that space. Can I ask you about your... Mm-hmm. Um, your sketches i mean i mentioned the uh the i mean this is about six seven years ago you did the expat one Mm. but i remember what i just was pure delighted by was it was i feel like a reference like a a, like i mean people might know the brooks part it might Mm -hmm. not be the most iconic thing from shawshank but it's that to a t but also just like it you're not just dining out on the reference like you're not family guy in it you're not just being like oh i get that and then you know it's so kind of dense with jokes i mean does it take you a long time to fill something out like that like like the brooks expat video yeah i mean it usually it varies from like video to video but but that one uh was nice because it was like it's a parody basically which is a lot of my stuff is just parodies but it's always comes from like an inspiration i usually i love just watching movie scenes like standalone on youtube like Mm. i'm a big like movie guy i love going to the cinema i love watching movies but and i would in the past when i was just procrastinating i would just watch like movie scenes over and over again shawshank redemption as well i feel like i don't know if i just i must have seen that film about 50 times growing up yeah it kind of has it kind of has its own it's kind of like it's probably 50 percent of utv (laughs) is the shawshank (laughs) just being on 
Yeah, there was that, and there was Terminator Two yeah. as well. I've also mm-hmm. seen that a few times. But uh, that one, because I'd say I wrote that in like a couple of days. It, the, the basically the challenge with that one is just I have the tone and I have the, the music for it as well. That was really helpful mm. for that one. That that song, like it sets the scene so perfectly. Even if you don't know the scene and parody, exactly. it just matches it. Yeah, and then it was just finding the a matter of finding the different topics to parody and talk about mournfully in some mm. way. So then it was just a matter of like analyzing my day-to-day life. What was I doing? Like, I think, what was it like getting a tube? Like, um, yeah, the way we talk, like having no money and eating paper. Yeah. So that was yeah. slightly yeah. exaggerated. Uh, and, but, and as well, the ending, like that the letters written to just the lads in Ireland, like it's, it's no more specific than yeah, that. But at yeah, the moment yeah. on post was going viral constantly for delivering letters that were like, to Tony in Dublin yeah, <laughs> yeah, like yeah. somehow ended up <laughs> in your place. But to be honest, most of the time, once I have the the crux of the idea, like what is the gist of it? Like the idea there is just like, it's me writing a sad letter home instead of an old man writing old to his old prison friends. Then it's like a day maybe to write it, maybe a mm. couple of days. Um, then like, yeah, so writing wise, that's probably the most enjoyable part i'd say but then yeah he, i was go- i was gonna ask that because i mean obviously there's so much that goes into it there's the original inspiration there's the writing of it there's the edit and stuff is so literally just the writing is is your most yeah is the most enjoyable process for you i think so because like the filming always requires well you never know like you might have a really funny idea that might be really hard to do mm. it might require loads of props you might have a limited time to make it so that's a, that can be quite stressful depending on the video especially if you're filming in public as well. Mm. And like, because I'm, I'm not an extroverted person, but I've learned to be extroverted against my will, just yeah. in the pursuit of making comedy things. And, yeah. and you know, when opportunities come up, they're like, oh, you know, outdoors or whatever. Um, so that can go either way. Um, yeah, P- I remember P- um, Peter McGann sent me a video of, you know, Jonathan Pye, who does his kind of like to camera bits. And he's all yeah. like, you know, takes his earpiece out and shouts to the screen. He yeah. sent me this footage of, of someone recording him do one of them in, in the wild, <laughs> you know. And was it him on- just, just like him in the park being like, no, mate, mate, you know, taking the earpiece. Yeah, but I know Boris doesn't. And you can just see him like a mile away and you can kind of hear him shout and he's in like, you know, <laughs> London Fields or something like that. And it's just like, oh, man, like I know the end is just so is good and everything you know it's well done but mm. just the the feeling of being seen doing that you know like i i, I need oh, yeah. i don't even like anyone being in the house <laughs> you know when i'm Please, doing like, video oh, I'm, I'm totally the same like and i i um ideally yeah, i'd film in, in an empty house too because you're just doing such ridiculous stuff at least for like just short bursts of it but mm. out of context you just look and sound like a crazy person <laughs> yeah. um but you just have to think of the end goal i've learned to just kind of shut off my emotions very briefly yeah. while I film something in public. Well, especially for like a parody sketch or something, if you can go to a location, I always find it just does add something extra. Mm. Uh, it just looks a bit more professional, a bit better. So oftentimes like it, it's worth it. But and then yeah, and then the editing, well that's that's just me and my desk. So that's yeah. It's mostly all right, but sometimes it can like if I've done sketches, I retweeted a, a sketch I'd done before yesterday that was like people announcing they're leaving Twitter mm-hmm. where it's like somebody bursting into a room making a heartfelt oh, yeah, yeah. but like everybody's too busy arguing they don't even hear what they're saying Yeah, uh, which is so true like when people are like just gonna take a break guys 
for a week. If you'd not said anything and come back a week later, no one would have noticed. You know, <laughs> it's know. absolutely fine. <laughs> yeah. um, but I remember putting that together and nearly having a nervous breakdown because there was like seven different characters and they're all talking over each other. At least you just stopped for an hour and just stared at it. It's <laughs> like, I can't do this. I can't do this. It was my first experience with like an editing timeline that was just like chock a block with different yeah. like clips. I always, I always feel with your videos, like I'm always looking at it. Like, are you fucking like, I'm always like, he really did it. Like he really, like, like whenever there's a decision that I would notice being like, oh, like he really went out there and like got a wig or he really went out there <laughs> and made the lighting look perfect. I always feel like there's probably, you're sitting there thinking, will I? I know I will. And then you do it. <laughs> and every part of like this video, seems your videos just always have that kind of little touch where you're always just like, I know I will just put in the extra effort. Were you, were you any good in, in actual jobs? Uh, no. Great. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Which is, yeah. No, it's so funny. And I'm really glad you said that. Like, cause that's the kind of thing that I get excited about. And when I'm making it, I'm like, no, just go, go the extra mile. Like do it exactly as you picture it mm-hmm. in your head. Mm-hmm. And like put in the things that you would appreciate as a viewer if you noticed, you know, in a video. And like the best example of that, I think, is the Bob Ross parody I made yeah. in last year. And I'd had that idea for like a year and a half. And but that one, but this is like I was saying earlier, I knew that going the making that would be an absolute pain in the hole. Cause I'd have to fake like mm-hmm. get loads of like art props yeah. and like genuine stuff. And I'm not like artistically talented like that. So, and that was, oh my God. Um, and so like I got the outfit, got the black backdrop for that, got made all these, I did like a Bob Ross uh, style uh, or Picasso style Bob Ross self, <laughs> self-portrait. Yeah. Actually, my girlfriend did that. She did the outline. She's like, she's a graphic designer. She's really good at that. And then she let me uh, color in. <laughs> in between, did in she give you the, the numbers and everything? <laughs> oh, thanks. We made this together, right? Yeah. Well done, Sean. Yeah. Um, but I knew it and, and when I watched it back I was like brilliant that's exactly it's how it's pure magic it, though know? every cut so. is just so pure magic like um, wow. and I think that, that and your Dick Cavett one were kind of in quick succession and that also was just like just these quick cuts like you and that microphone going over and hitting the <laughs> fucking nose it's just pure magic like and it's just that extra effort it really rings true I know yeah no thanks man I'm glad because it's just yeah when you have the idea like I just I know exactly how I want this to be a lot of the time so then it's just a matter of doing that i always do like loads of takes and then end up using the first one anyways mm-hmm. it's like yeah. that i just knew how i wanted it and and you're right though like i wish i could have applied that resolve to any actual jobs <laughs> i've ever had <laughs> i've like i have the kiss of death when it comes to retail i worked in a hardware store from like 15 to like 19 yeah in uh, swords swords yeah. in swords yeah it's called Galvin's Hardware. It's no longer in business, I think. <laughs> I think I started there like right as the recession hit. Right. And I did like one day a week. Still couldn't put up a shelf, uh, like literally. <laughs> I, I, I mainly just like put fill bags of gravel and fill yeah. bags of nails. Uh, so it was pretty glamorous. Uh, and then I worked in Curry's PC World for a year. But that, and I was without a doubt the worst salesperson I've ever employed. I just don't have the gift of the gab to mm. like charm people like that. And, uh, just but, to go up to people being like ah oh, they're having a browse and then they leave <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah no, I just did not have the ability to convince anybody to do anything I was like yeah that's fine no no nothing extra that's fine 
I could sell a printer really well, but only That's good. printers. Yeah. Um, well, printer's kind of elusive. If you told me it was 30 quid, I'd be like, okay. And then if you said it was like 600 quid, I'd be like, okay. <laughs> you know, like I think, <laughs> I think for the exact same thing, of like I know nothing, been, I guess I yeah. got to spend 600 quid. Yeah. Does this mean it will last longer than a <laughs> yeah. year? No. I guess. God, no. <laughs> <laughs> and here's your CD like... to install the software. <laughs> what? Yeah, yeah, I um, yeah. So not very, not very good. I, one story as well. I met a lot of really good friends working in Curry's as well. And my friend Connor, he was actually um, what's the word, competent and good at his mm. job. I remember he was somebody who was like looking lost over in the printer section, and uh, he came over to help. He's like, "Oh, can I help you with anything?" And they're like, "Oh, no, no, Sean's uh, helped me. He's just gone off to do something for a second. And he said, at that moment, uh, behind them, I was putting on my jacket. What? <laughs> Walking out the front door of the shop. <laughs> go out. <laughs> I have no recollection of doing, yeah. and it wasn't intentional. But it makes oh, in those last sense. five minutes, though, before you you finish work, like you could say anything. Dave, like yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. This is ringing in your ears because you know you're about to finish. Yeah, I just want to go, man. Yeah, uh, but like I always like I always look at your video, like because uh, with. with tiktokers and stuff like that a lot of the time and that's what's great about tiktok is it is the kind of democratization of sketch in a weird way yeah. i mean it's also the outright stealing of all ideas <laughs> yes 100%. you know i think every time i see a sketch that i laugh laugh out loud at on tiktok i then look into the sound and then realize that it's been pulled from something else completely which i don't fully understand and i don't i think that's why maybe it won't be it, you know, that's why, you know, there certainly there are TikTok stars, but there aren't as many as you think there should be because a lot of people are just kind of doing similar stuff yeah. to other people. So the actual yeah. individual creative voice are actually quite uh, fewer than you'd think, you know. Um, yeah, but exactly. TikTokers just, you know, they won't put a wig on. They'll put a towel on their <laughs> head and pretend to be a mom. And I just, I do actually love that as well. But I think that's also my yeah. kind of like, I'll just fucking put a towel on me. <laughs> you know, will I change my glasses? No, they're upstairs. I'll just look that way, you know. But the thing is, though, I have also learned, like, it, that's absolutely fine as long as you're funny, you know, mm -hmm. which I kind of do love about, like, TikTok and the internet is that it doesn't matter what camera you have as long as it's funny. Mm -hmm. You know, people won't care. Yeah. So at the end of the day, the idea is the main thing. And I have made a few videos that are just like me on my phone as well. Like sometimes you can just uh, like free form it or whatever. And they've, they've done well. Mm. Um, but yeah, if I had the option, like every time of, of like doing it, like exactly how I pictured it, I'd probably go for that. Mm. But loads of times, yeah, I've stuck a tail in my head or whatever is the equivalent. <laughs> it's just, yeah, just be funny. It's the main thing. You have a gig, this is going to, because uh, it is a plug, but uh, I don't mean to be acting like we're rounding out the show here, but you do, you are doing, a, you have a gig coming up then, don't you? Uh, in the next few weeks? Yeah, it's on the 19th of May uh, mm. in the Museum of Comedy. Um, which is where they keep all the old comedy. Um, uh, uh, so it's in there and it's a double bill. So it's like a work in progress, basically. Um, Eleanor is doing 30 minutes and she's doing the Edinburgh Fringe this mm. year, I'm pretty sure. Uh, and I'm doing 30 minutes, uh, I guess, just for the crack. <laughs> I mean, I need to, like, uh, I, I want, I've wanted to start doing, like, live material in some form or other for ages now and... And I just said, like, I need to give myself a kick up the arse. And and I knew Eleanor was working on new stuff. So I thought, why don't we do a show together? Because her, uh, Michael Fry and myself have gotten into the habit of making mm. like sketches together on Twitter from time to time. And that seems like a nice relationship. I think you have like similar 
comedy sense of, uh, sense of humor. Mm. Uh, so yeah, that should be interesting. I'm kind of, I'm excited and nervous at the same time. Like most of my experience is with like just doing spots at stand-up nights mm. where, you know, it could be more of like a club vibe. You know, you don't know what you're getting in for. I'm kind of excited for this though because I feel like I'll have a bit more a room to kind of explore like what my actual live comedy is. Yeah. Um. Whereas like in the past, I'd be doing just like as many quick jokes in five minutes totally. as you can do. Yeah, I still I still don't have I'm still so terrified of just doing a sketch on as a like doing like a solo sketch or like a, you know, or even a two hander. And I I don't and I don't know why, because a lot of the time that's where you feel it your safest. But, you know, you go do these kind of um, these spots and you're like, okay, how do I make it look as close to the other people's comedy that are here, but through the prism of me? And then yeah. you come out with the wanking bingo uh, kind of scoreboard, <laughs> you know. Um, have, have you done sketches? You do kind of live sketches or, or pieces? No, I'm the same. Like with my stand-up, it is very much just like, you know, standard, like stand-up. I had to describe my style. It's just stand-up comedy, basically, <laughs> but I wouldn't do sketches. But I am, and I think the reason for that as well is like once you commit to a sketch as well, like if it doesn't work, mm. you probably have to see it through to the end still. Yeah. So that's probably why I haven't sure. done it either. Um, but with this, the live stuff, I am hoping to do a few like impressions in it, mm. maybe a couple of characters. I did that Brian Cox video at the end of oh, last yeah. year and that I just love impersonating him so much. So I feel like I can, I just love his style of delivery as well. I think I can come up with a lot of like incorrect space facts or something like that yeah yeah um and i think that'll be nice just to mix it up a bit uh because the idea of yeah just doing one guy in a microphone uh you know for 30 minutes straight i don't think i don't know i'd like to mix it up a bit and i think i might introduce some sort of like visual comedy whether it's like a powerpoint presentation mm-hmm. it sounds so dull when i say it like that oh like but really it's great synergy <laughs> no but it's <laughs> but, I, I feel like the, yeah. the, i feel like attention spans have They've certainly not moved on from stand-up comedy, but they can certainly tolerate a lot more in what's considered entertainment, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. And, yeah, I mean, I think I try and just do, like, I try and just change it up as much as I can just because I'm like, if, 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 if you, even if you didn't think it was good, you'd be like, mm-hmm. well, look, he did, he did loads, <laughs> you know? Yeah. He put it all out there. And that's all, you know, get that kind yeah, of lo- yeah, the yeah. Louis Walsh X factor. Look, you had fun. You went out there. You shook your tuckus and you had a good time, you know. It's funny. I was talking to uh, Justine Stafford mm. about um, stand-up comedy there and, like, and bringing people who you know uh, along and, like, the stuff they say, like, after a bad gig. And uh, yeah. I don't know. She said to me, the, the worst one she had was, like, she did a stand-up set and she came off and the person said, Oh, that was you up there. <laughs> it's like they couldn't even say. Oh. That was at the, the very least you on stage. There was a microphone up there. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you one thing. You were present. I remember I bombed. Uh, I bombed. <laughs> it was like, it was like Dresden. It was awful. Uh, at the laughter lounge uh, on the keys. And I brought oh, my, f- no. and I kind of knew I was going to bomb. I, I bombed two nights in a row, and then I was going up to my third night. And for whatever reason, someone had told me, no, you never do new material. And I just only had the material that I had. And mm-hmm. it was like 20 minutes. And so I just didn't do any new material, even though I should have. I should just go up my gut on the third day. But I invited friends. They were coming anyway. And then yeah. they saw me, and I bombed again. And, uh, 
And then my friend was all like, do you know what I think it was? Microphone was too loud. <laughs> I'm like, mm. and yeah, no, I think it was too loud for everyone else all the time the last three days. It's, it's a funny thing, like bombing like that. It's such a, it is literally many people's worst nightmares. And like doing stand-up comedy full stop is, I remember the, wor- the first time it happened to me ever, I think it was like my fourth ever stand-up gig. And it was in the international. It was in the the comedy cellar, mm. um, and it was like somebody had dropped out, and the MC asked me if I could do it, and I was like, "Yeah." And I had done two or three gigs, and they'd gone well, mm. which I feel like is a story that so many comedians say they have a really good first gig, and mm-hmm. so full of confidence, and then they get smacked in the face with reality. Uh, and I did it, and there was also there's no microphone there, or at least there wasn't at the time, and it's this small room, and mm. I just remember it. Like started off okay, but then just like by the end, it was just oh, dead rubber. And I just like walked off. I remember literally like reeling in the hallway, just like leaning against the wall, being like zoning out like that. I can't believe that actually happened. It took like a week to recover as well. Like it is, it's like the opposite of, mm. you know, the buzz after your first gig yeah. where you're like, I could do anything. I could eat mountains. <laughs> and now <laughs> after this, I was like bedridden yeah. for a week. Oh my God. But then it just levels out, it does, doesn't it? Like, yeah. And where it's it's like it's all good. The first the first one's like a bungee jump. Like you will jump, but then you'll bounce, and then they will pull you back up. You will you will end up alive and in the same place that you started. And if that's yeah. your goal, that's perfect. So it's just yeah. sur- pure survival. And then after that, you know, you think I know everything there is to know about stand up. I'm gonna change. You know that the five minutes that's dead. <laughs> that doesn't need to be perfected whatsoever. That's done five minutes. I'm gonna come up with something completely brand new. In fact, I'm gonna go even more ambitious. And then you just. Yeah, I remember I played um, the place in Liverpool Street, which was Dead Comedian Socks. It was a touching cloth. That was like a an open oh, mic right. night. I think I've heard of and that. And they recorded yeah. it. Um, and I just bombed. And it was like my second gig. And I was like, delete that video. <laughs> and, I just, <laughs> and I just, I love that video now. But uh, yeah, no, it is. But do you know what's weird as well? Like it, it, it is never as bad, even though it can go bad. It is never as bad as sometimes you can catastrophize it because mm-hmm. I, I I was even thinking just even recently, just for whatever reason, it was a month between doing the Vicar Street gigs and then doing the Spirit Store in Dundalk there uh, over the weekend. And But I was nervous because I hadn't done stand-up even just in a, in a few weeks. Mm-hmm. And I was literally in my head thinking, what if I forget how to talk? <laughs> like, what if, <laughs> like you, you actually imagine in your head sometimes something that has never happened ever in the yeah. history of... Of, of like you would literally your brain just shuts down and all of a sudden you have a nosebleed you know but like yeah it just it doesn't work that way you you will figure out how to keep the ball flowing especially if you're irish i feel like if you just get the mm-hmm. chat going it's like well i know how to kind of keep general kind of rapport going here yeah. you know we, we're just we're like fencers you know we get in get out you know um, oh absolutely yeah yeah oh the, the the things i've catastrophized about like it's 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 I wish I was always that creative, you know, like the, the, my horrible, my worst fantasies are some really good stuff. Yeah, I need yeah. to start writing these down. But yeah, you're right. And it's always like, once you get up there and especially after like the first joke, then you're just like, oh yeah, I actually enjoy this. Yeah. And I'm like, why was I so miserable exactly. in the lead up, you know? And you forget that, oh, I actually wrote this. So I remember how it goes. That's like, yeah. it's like. I, so like I, you just have to follow the grooves in your brain that got you to that original idea in the first place, which is actually quite quite simple. Um, yeah, we are going to talk a bit about something that you were mad into growing up. Mm-hmm. But I all, mm-hmm. often do like to ask uh, guests on this show because I kind of went from being like a rocker to a got to an emo yeah. to yeah. then a new raver 
to then kind of an indie boy kind of vibe. Now, I yeah. don't know, kind of, I don't know, preppy looking at this shirt. <laughs> your, your final form. My final form. <laughs> yeah, preppy dad. Um, did you did you have any kind of subcultures that you were kind of into growing up uh, or anything like that? I my, In my teens, like my yeah. group of friends was very much... Uh, the checkered vans shoes i guess we would have been called emos really sure by people who didn't know us very well <laughs> yeah. um that's still quite that, uh, quite in the know for people normally it's just like checkered vans hippie as well <laughs> <You know? laughs> everyone's yeah. a hippie <laughs> why not lump us all together <laughs> yeah but, uh, we that was like my subculture if i now i never really committed to like the look of it mm. i i still wear like converse and vans like religiously mm-hmm. though i mean half out of like I like them, but also I'm just so not adventurous in my sure. <laughs> outfits whatsoever. So I'll just go same again, please. I hope you're rocking insoles now, Sean, for your back. No, should I? Oh, the cons and the vans. Oh, can be very bad for your back in the long oh, run. That makes a lot of sense because <laughs> I have a terrible back for the last ten years. Yes, to mention it. Give you some good oh, lumbar man. support. It'll give you a nice arch in your foot, and then yeah, you can just throw them in all the shoes. Oh God! Uh, genuinely, this has been a revelation for me. Good. I have, yeah, I've invested in a good office chair this year. Good shoes is the next. Yeah, step. that'll be the next one. Yeah, it is like, a, and they're always wearing out really quickly. It's like a flap of cardboard. Like, <laughs> yeah, the like there is not, some, not much there. Some of the shoes that you like, wear, like, and literally, like, just stepping next to a puddle, it's just like. <laughs> tongue just <laughs> eating all that up yeah my friend uh, Dave has this photo of me from when I was like early 20s and I had this ragged pair of white slip-on vans uh, now I wore them in my house as slippers but literally like my, my toes were like sticking out the top of it and he just occasionally sends it into the whatsapp group like remember this Sean yeah. you disgust me I'm Kurt Cobain okay <laughs> kinda <laughs> he wore vans with holes in the top yeah. everyone knows everyone knows um um, yeah um but yeah i suppose that would have been my subculture uh, before that like uh, i i did like kind of uh i do have a soft spot for like kind of early 2000s like disco i say disco not like disco music but you know like yeah, kind of yeah. um like alice dj yeah, that yeah, kind yeah. Of like a uh, teeny disco type vibe uh i did quite enjoy that um, did you have a cool then, mate that got you into that uh, I think it was probably my older brother, Vin, who was always like into that. He'd uh, and he'd had like the big old speaker, and like every time it was a freak after, we'd just be like, <laughs> <laughs> like, what is going on? And he'd be like blaring it out the window, like for the neighbors. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but probably from him. And then after that, though, graduated to like indie kind of rock, Arctic Monkeys. Yeah. Kind of a, a big turning point for me. That first album, I think it was probably the first album I had that I listen to back to front yeah over and over again no Um, it was one of those that was just a thing there was like a every band was making a splash then arctic monkeys i mean strokes might have been about three years before but like there was always just a big band being oh now this is what we're doing sorry guys we weren't not doing that anymore now we're doing this just (laughs) absolutely revolutionary a couple of years and just completely change everything and then everybody imitates them yeah and it would have been Um, as well a time sean that you would have been playing a good bit of playstation 2 i imagine Nice little segue into yes. this topic we're going to be talking about. Uh, well, I don't know, a little casual, little bit. We'll talk. No, we don't get too dense into it. But I asked what you were mad into growing up, and you said Metal Gear Solid and Pro Evo. So, P- mm-hmm. big PS2 generations. Would you have been playing with Vin quite a lot? Was that 
Yeah, yeah, he was a lot better than me. Um, and I used to like, oh, I, I would be so frustrated. And <laughs> and he was much bigger physically than me as well. So I couldn't even retaliate in any other way. But he would wipe the floor with me. Yeah. Um, but And I was pretty good at it as well, like pro evil. I, I should have been. I played it like relentlessly, like day after what day. What was your main? I mean, I think three was the one that I played the most. And that was with, that's the orange one with the ref on it, the baldy lad. Yeah. yeah, which I was just thinking, that's a bold move for a football game to have a ref be one of the cover stars. <laughs> yeah. They were really pushing boundaries there. Very striking man, Col- though. Yeah, it was Kalina, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, the, uh, the, yeah. Yeah. Uh, him, I remember him, I think it was that one or the one after. That's where that was I started Henri playing. was maybe 2004. Yeah, I, that sounds familiar. I feel like it was. Yeah, I used to play with my brother as well, and um, he would just, I mean, well, he would kick the shit out of me anyway. You know, I always had this kind of romantic notion that I would be Ireland and he could be Brazil, even though he was far better than me. But I'm like, no, this will be always just thinking I'll be the underdog and I want to be the underdog and I want to get that yeah. one goal or whatever. But then he would yeah. also play and he would make make up these footballers because I had a pretty, pretty good, uh, you know, creative footballer kind of suite that you could kind of make footballers mm-hmm. and you could set all the stats. So he had this guy, which you call Tudor Iranovsky. And he, he put him on Liverpool, 99 everything. And at the time, I think I supported Aston Villa. Just, I would, again, trying to be an underdog. And I would play Aston Villa versus Liverpool. And then in comes fucking Tudor or Aronofsky from the halfway line. Boom, just fucking flying in like, like, a, like a rocket. And then I'm like, this isn't even fair. Like, you're making up, lads. You're already too good. Yeah, yeah, and you could make them be like two meters tall, <laughs> yeah. and like bald, two meters tall, and like balance was the one as well. If they had ninety nine balance, yeah. they were unstoppable. <laughs> it was like the juggernaut from X Men running up the middle of it. Yeah, and like like yeah. for he- for headers, like just a sea <laughs> a sea of these bald alien freaks. Like, this is bollocks. <laughs> this is so not fair. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I dabbled in creating a few players. They all had ridiculous names like Laser. <laughs> it wasn't like person's names. It was just like hard stuff, Blade. <laughs> you um, make up teams, which it would never be like, you know, West Bromwich or any kind of Englishy name or even, you know, I don't know, Westmead FC or whatever like that. It'd be like, you know, the X-Men or, you know, the Dublin Falcons. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, yeah. Who who was who was your yeah. team? Uh, I mean, oh, I, oh, hang on, let me guess. Because of, uh, well, oh, actually, I don't know if they had a. Well, I don't know what their equivalent wasn't. London FC. Uh, who was my football? Was it London? Team? Was it London Red? Were they called London Red? Because you're an North Arsenal. Lon- North London Red. North London yeah. Red. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah. Was it. Oh, very well remembered. Did I tell? Yeah, I am an Arsenal fan. Yeah, they they were my guys. Yeah. Uh, there's- North London Reds. Uh, the the non copyright infringement names are absolutely hilarious. <laughs> I, I was looking up a list like before we started. Like Stoke are like the Potteries, and like there's oh, I think yeah. United were like Red Brick Trafford. Do you know brick what Trafford or something? I wrote down a list of some of the best here. Right? Um, oh, brilliant! Uh, yeah. Well, actually, can you remember what the original name for Man United were? Um, then they became they became something else. Do you know what Man United were also called? Uh, is it like something mad like uh, Aragorn? <laughs> yeah, <something>? it's Aragorn. <laughs> <laughs> Aragorn, like Aragorn. What? Yeah. There's with, no basis with their iconic trad brick stadium. <laughs> that that was it, yeah. trad brick stadium. 
All right. See if you can remember any of these other ones. All right. Who okay. were um, who were all right? The Potteries you said were, were Stoke City. Um, who were um, WM Gold? WM Gold. Uh, is it West Brom? No, it was Wolves. Oh man. <laughs> yeah. Um. All right. This is a bit of a trick one, right? And this was okay. Pez too. Um. And they were only called it for one. But who were Dublin? This is definitely a trick question. <laughs> it's kind well, yeah. Dublin. Um, yeah, they were um, it, Premiership team. Is it? Is it Aston Villa? It is Aston Villa. Yeah, <laughs> because of Dion. Because Dublin, of Dion Dublin. Yeah. <laughs> so Pez two, it was Dublin, and then uh, and Pez three became West Midlands Village. All right, here's one. Right, um, a German one. Uh, Recordmeister. <laughs> Um, uh, Bayer Leverkusen Bayern Munich because at the time uh, they were the record Meisters holders uh, <laughs> they were the record the current winners yes as we know them <laughs> and here's a weird one right and it will kind of mess with your geography of the UK Lake District Lake District that's an entire region yeah it's a district god damn it um, alright I think that's like Midlands kind of of England should be uh, so I'm gonna say <laughs> Birmingham oh unfortunately it is the famous Midland spot West Ham <laughs> <laughs> at least make it geography geographically relevant yeah. in any way I know uh, so would would you so you were good so like you know because obviously lads will be having the, the, the Pro Evo tournaments you know mm-hmm. um, also were you Pro Evo or you, did you say PES um, Pro Evo. Pro Evo. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. We were a Pez, oh, we were a Pez house, household. You were a Pez house? Fair enough, fair but, enough. Um, yeah, it, it is easier to say Pez now in hindsight. I'll never get that time back. So <laughs> well, half a second wasted life, saying yeah. Pro Evo. Um, um, so you would wipe the but, floor? Would you be like a good good tournament player with the lads? Yeah, I think so. Uh, to be fair, um, yeah, like, and I, I used to play it like quite a bit and we would enjoy playing with the lads. And also I got to a stage where... I would play, uh, you know, you play on the whatever like legendary setting, and you just kind of get like. I love like that I you just it. say that to, as if that's uh, something I would ever be able to do. You know, you just play in the <laughs> legendary setting. Well, you know, I just mean like the top. Yeah, yeah no, like, of course, of course. Order, and you just um, and like you kind of get used to it. And then I used to play. The ultimate challenge was I because you could both use the same team. You mm. could play two players and both be on like North London Red or whatever. And I used to play, try to win the World Cup with my friend Dave. Oh. Uh, and the guy who was sending me uh, photos of my horrible shoes, yeah. in fairness. Um, and God bless him. Like he, he was, I was really good and he was really bad. <laughs> so we were just cancelling each other out <laughs> so perfectly. And like we wanted, it took us like a matter of months to get Ireland to win the World Cup. We would try and try. Eventually, I think we got there eventually. I surely we did. We had literally nothing better to do with our time. But like, there's no um, like that is that is exactly the situations that I fantasize about. Like, just be, just take <laughs> me back, give me a big two liter pint of Coke or whatever you know, and just sit me there in my inflatable furniture. Oh, me, me and my mate try and figure that out. Um, I know, and yeah, I remember yeah. with the two player, every time you passed, it was the other player, wasn't it? So you'd kick it, and then imme- so every pass you yeah. had to kind of delegate some level of you know teamwork. yeah yeah 
which was chaotic, as yeah. you can imagine. <laughs> and like, which, you know, to be fair, then the, the opposing like computer team had no idea what our tactics were going to be because <laughs> it was like two different brains. So we kept yeah. them on their toes. Well, that's how they beat um, the chess machine, isn't it? By just doing something that they never could <laughs> anticipate. That was our tactic. Yeah. yeah, just do something mental. Konami uh, software like, developers would be like, these kids are running rings around us. <laughs> <laughs> what are we going to do? Like, yeah, well, and, and and like you wouldn't, but like the downside of that is then, um, you you might like run the pitch and then just like have to square it and be like, right, just finish this off, and then they would just bottle it, yeah, know, bottle it, whatever. I still yeah, like, but, in fact, I make a jokes, jokes about it all the time. I went to the B- Bose Shells match and it was nil all, and um, I was saying mm-hmm. to you know, <laughs> made the joke being like, hey, this is like bloody me playing FIFA, you know, <laughs> you know, because I'm awful, <laughs> like, I'm all like everything for whatever reason, I have the same tactics. <laughs> In real life, as I do with, with Pez or with FIFA, where it's all like, mm-hmm. I have the ball, get rid of it. I have the ball, <laughs> kick it away immediately. I'm scared. I'm just scared of the ball. Uh, or yeah. just through ball, through ball, through ball, through ball. No one there, through ball. Yeah, that You would just try, though, for the sake of it. And sometimes they'd pull off something spectacular that you didn't even see. Yeah. You just coincidentally hit the triangle button. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, no, I meant that. I meant that. <laughs> yeah, I, meant that yeah. um, or, I, I was more of a Pep Guardiola. I, I would pass and pass. Yeah. And like my, I remember Vin being like, you just pass it, but you don't score. Like every time I play him, <laughs> and he would just, him, the two meter bald lad that he created, so I'm like, <laughs> just run straight through my defense. Yeah. And, and here he comes the laser again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. See, Lasers on electric form this season. <laughs> See, I just, because I don't really watch a lot of football and I don't really get, I don't get mm-hmm. basic tactics. Like I know the fundamental, like just get the ball into the net. Like that's that's all. I I don't know mm. any. I don't know any tactics to try and figure it out. I'd actually love someone to train me up. You know, maybe that's an influencer yeah. series I could do. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Trained up training Tony, yeah. and it's just you learning different things yeah. each week. Uh, I do, but like I've never looked into it or actually been interested in the tactic, the tactical uh, side of things in football either. Mm. And like for a long time, and I feel like this is what stopped me really looking into it. I just like to imagine like. Ah, there's nothing really to it. You know, they're just making it up. They want to seem more intelligent yeah. than they are, but you're kicking a ball, lads. Come on. Well, if, it's either hoof it or pass it. That's it. Or if you're on my team, uh, hold or one and sprint like your life depended <laughs> on it. Like everyone just yeah. there. <laughs> like, and like all the lads run towards the ball full pelt <laughs> all the time. Kick off all the lads running to the ball. W- oh God, I would love to see that in the Premier League. Like it's <laughs> like Man City. This is unprecedented. Yeah. <laughs> it's eleven against one in the final third. Pep's like, stop, just stop. <laughs> um, and another Konami game that you were a big fan of, one that I'm certainly a huge fan of, Metal Gear Solid. That was a big thing for you. Yeah, big time. Um, and Matt, I just loved. I think I love the games themselves and the idea of sneaking around and being a bit more uh, careful about mm. it rather than just a straight up shoot them up. And also, I always loved like the lore and the story around it. I'm like, Big I got time. so into that. I could read about that for hours. Yeah. I almost like I used to think as well because the cutscenes were so uh, like formidable. Like you <laughs> could put these all together and I'd probably just like get a bowl of popcorn and watch them and yeah. quite enjoy myself, you know, because they really seem to put a lot of effort 
uh, and thought into those and I enjoyed those almost as much as the gameplay yeah you know? big time it's mad like seeing these big massive like especially when you go back and like replay it and you have like your metal gear and you have like this big massive sweeping thing you know and then it cuts back to you just literally staring in this little box at the DARPA <laughs> chief you know <laughs> and like and it's just big, so sweeping and then it, or the big opening scene and then it's like essentially just you know this nine squares like the first level you know obviously you're going in mm. and it's Mm-hmm. And it, but it still was so groundbreaking and incredible. When you play it now, it's like, oh, it's just like nine squares and they go around each square and you just kind of, it's almost like Pac-Man, you know, yeah. but um, yeah, yeah. it was so much more. Did you have like Metal Gear 1? Did you play the demo before Metal Gear 1 came out? Can you I can't remember. You know, that's going back so far. That's like one of my first memories of like a PlayStation mm-hmm. game was playing the first Metal Gear. I don't think I ever had that one. I think I just played it uh, in a friend's house. Um, but I remember just thinking it was spectacular and and also really trippy the stuff they made you do like taking the game out yeah. and like deleting your save yeah. files or whatever that was mind blowing to think about at the time and the, the urban uh, legend was that if you had a rumble you had a like a rumble controller like if you put it down on a table Psycho Mantis would make it vibrate into the shape of a skull <laughs> <laughs> which looking at the shape of this thing is like that is does not seem feasible <laughs> i've tried every possible yeah. formulation doesn't look like a skull and there was other Kona- um, konami games i think that they would change the logos of i actually think for really? i think for the ps2 no maybe it wasn't i'm pretty sure they could change the logos to squares so like what would normally be like you know uh, or the logos to, to skulls as well or maybe i'm mm. <laughs> maybe everything was a skull man <laughs> maybe he's in my this mind thing is a simulation yeah man. but the, i remember the whole thing of taking out the thing and then plug it into the second that's just like wow he's in here it's just so creepy yeah, and awesome it, it was, yeah that's it it was so creepy it was really yeah. unsettling so like, I, actually, really I'll, I should give a bit of context for people who don't know what that even means at all there was a character so the great thing about metal gear was this the the boss villains all had something fucking incredible about them. They had some attribute, an animal, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and that, you know some some kind of adjective, and then an animal. And Psycho Mantis was just this weird, scrawny gimp with a, <laughs> with a with a gas mask who would like mess with your mind. And that was the whole thing that he would predict your movements. You shoot at him, and he would predict your movements before they would happen. And then without any warning, they wouldn't really tell you this. You had to take out your controller and plug it into the second thing and to actually play as a two-player which means you can't get into your mind which you know doesn't really make a lot of sense but it uh you know it mm-hmm. it, it mm-hmm. certainly felt like oh my god he's in the room with us now and it was always yeah, very yeah. very experimental and innovative ways of beating these villains yeah it's really smart weird scrawny gimp that really <laughs> i believe that was the original draft of the character's name <laughs> Hide- you weird scrawny gimp <laughs> hideo kojima was just like we need a weird scrawny gimp um, <laughs> wait say that one more time <laughs> we got our character uh, with, um, with Mel gear one um you know on replays anyway you know were you able to save Merrill? That was the thing that you would be tortured, and if he didn't hit, if he didn't hit the buttons fast yeah. enough, if you gave up in torture, Merrill would die. And if you were able to actually hit them, like literally, like You're violently right. freak insane. your controller, <laughs> <laughs> then you would save Merrill. Yeah, it was almost at a point like, is this like skillful gaming anymore? I've literally got the controller on the table and I'm just like, <laughs> like one index finger with everything. And my hand would be like a claw yeah. by the end of this as well. Um, but it was another way in which they were kind of, I guess, like switching it up a bit too. Totally. Um, I mean, you actually kind of, there was, 
yeah, there was like the the, I mean, the real life burden of blisters to save this pixel, essentially, with her face <laughs> that you that you really you love. See the emotion How, on the, the, the poor face. Yeah, the face that doesn't move. It's like oh, it's the exact same face. Did, did you play through uh, all of them, the whole series? Uh, yeah, I played. So the first one, I played the second one. Snake Eater was probably my favorite oh. one. I think that I played the most amount of times. Then there was the the fourth one after that, where it's like old Snake. Um, and then Phantom Pain is the last one I played. Mm. And I actually, it's so in-depth. And I, I literally, I was playing that uh, before I emigrated. So I have a PlayStation or had a PlayStation back home mm. in the in my mom's house. And I, I thought I'd finished it, but it was such a huge game that I'd actually only reached like the halfway point. So I was walking around like for years being like, yeah, glad I completed that. And I was talking <laughs> to my friend about it. He's like, oh yeah, what did you do in this scene? And this happened later. I was like, huh? What are you talking about? Weird. I completed the game, yeah. man. It's like, no, no, no. That was just halfway done. Because uh, they love some credits in Metal Gear as well. Oh, so they like do. they just roll the credits. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I play them all. And man, oh, just so much fun. I love Snake Eater, the different camo, yeah. the different options, the different ways you could solve stuff. And also different ways you can just mess about, like just running around, like you, knocking on walls. Like, do you think now, I don't know. I mean, this is not to throw a spanner into all of Hideo Kojima's kind of method of all you know of of his storytelling of the lore but i kind of found yeah. what i loved about snake eater i also think it's my it's my favorite is like yeah. the story is kind of quite simple <laughs> and yes yeah. it does have odes to other things and it has links with other ones but it's kind of like this is the first snake you know or early snake you know he had a mentor who spoiler kind of turns does a heel turn and then you know like it's a simple enough story to follow like would would they be better with less, you know? Would they all be better, <laughs> yeah. especially too, and how weird the Lula Lula Lele Lo, and just some of the Patriot stuff, and even the the you know Raiden kind of reveal that you're actually not playing oh, a snake in in two, which yeah. I was okay with, but I still would have preferred to play a snake, you know. Yeah, hundred percent. I think a lot of people were pissed about that, especially because you start off as snake in the first mission in the totally. game. Totally on the tanker so you're like oh yeah here we go yeah. and then it sees this blonde lad for the rest of it um and yeah it got it definitely got pretty heady like from that one onwards in particular uh actually yeah but snake eater was probably a bit of a respite in that like you say it was a simple story but the one clip that went viral or it keep popped up occasionally is the bit where you're riding on the tanker and you're in the nip running around yeah. and you keep getting these calls from your commander <laughs> and like half the time his face is just like a yeah. weird skull and they're talking about the flow of information in the future, which a lot of which kind of echoes debates that are having today. I found that really creepy and kind of like, oh, right, that was fairly prescient of them. Yeah. But I was 11 years old <laughs> I when know. I was playing that. Absolutely not getting any of that. But that's the thing, like um, those, we like we were the perfect age for these games, like because this was before video games were, you know, People still kind of scoffed at video games, so it still was kids and teens mm-hmm. and a handful of adults really playing these games and these ridiculously high concept, you know, things about yeah. you know the the patriots and the the you know the forming of you know um, of, of America and like like double agent and double crossing double agents and then obviously being how how Japanese it all was, which is an extra level of mm-hmm. confusion. You know, mm-hmm. it's similarly like I went to go see RoboCop in. Um, the lighthouse and i like i had like robocop yeah. toys and i had the robocop car and robocop was like you know are you terminator or are you robocop you know and those are the kind of games we played and then you watch it yeah. and it's just this 
brilliant parody of capitalism <laughs> that's like <laughs> robocop is in like you know 18 minutes of it and the rest of it is these yeah. boardroom kind of debates being like you know i don't want to fuck with you sal you know the old man's got my ass and we're watching this being like, this is class <laughs> like when is, you know when is robocop coming back but it just totally went over yeah. my head i mean i i loved it and i loved talking about it and i loved when someone smarter than me could explain a bit of the lore and then i felt smarter you know it mm-hmm. but it you really did kind of play as if we were smart enough to to understand it 100 percent. but it's good that it was still able to be enjoyed by us though even though that went over our heads the same can be said of uh and i think it might be the same director but starship troopers yeah do you remember that totally which now viewing back is like a fucking hilarious satire brilliant of like war economy and all that but as a kid, I just took it at face value. I was like, yes, they killed yeah, the, yeah. the bit where he puts like his hand on the king slowly yeah. insect and he's like, it's a fake. And everyone's like, yeah, it's a fake. While he's dressed as an actual Gestapo, like, I, like well, Neil Patrick Harris <laughs> is actually being like, and that's the whole thing, like that, that America's fascist or this army is yeah. fascist. Like that's the whole point, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. What a flick as well. Oh. Oh, <laughs> um, absolutely. Do you have a favorite character or a favorite boss in um in uh, Metal Gear? Oh, really good. Um uh I like um I like Vamp in the oh, second yeah. one. Uh he's always so like salubrious and weirdly <laughs> yeah. like sexual yeah. um but also scary. Yeah. Um I liked him and I think he came back in later games. I as hear well. he does. I, now I haven't played the one with Old Snake. I haven't played four because I didn't have a PS3 and there is no way of playing it if you didn't have a PS3. There's still really? now no way what? of playing it yet. I'm shocked. By I know, that. me too. <laughs> how like fork it out? Like I you know. have the technology, so people will buy this. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think he might pop up in that. Uh, and Snake Eater, though the bosses in that were great. Um, although one guy, and it's so true what you said earlier. Like it's one boss with like one weird characteristic. There's definitely one that's just a man covered in hornets. Yeah. He was like, is he all right? Like because. <laughs> It doesn't really feel like he's actually aware yeah. of what he's doing right now. Occasionally, these hornets attack me, but he seems to be in a lot of pain. Was there. he? He was. Was he? Was the sniper as well? Was he, or was that a different guy? Maybe I think that's a different. Oh no, there's the end. Yeah, he was really good. Do you remember the, the end? end? He was the old man. Yeah, who would no animal, like... just old as shit. <laughs> there's like bee man, you know. There's sniper wolf, and then there's old man, old as shit man. He, but he was powered by photosynthesis. Yeah, so he was plant man basically. That was occasionally great. he would just. And you could do it like a cheat where you could see him earlier in the game. Mm. Like another boss would wheel him out of this base. And if you were quick enough, you could shoot him and kill him. What? And then you wouldn't have to face him later on in the game. Holy shit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, you'd have to face a team of mercenaries instead of him. Yeah. And he was really difficult because like he would just sneak up on you. Yeah, he would see everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So the vibes of uh, the butler from Lara Croft. Oh, yeah. Getting the fucking pantry you clown. (laughs) (laughs) That is 90% of what I did in that game. Getting that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I remember because uh, it was very reminiscent of the Sniper Wolf fight that you have. I mean, so much harder. Um, mm-hmm. But I remember, you know, Sniper Wolf and then you kill Sniper Wolf. And then, mm-hmm. like, Otacon starts crying, you know, and he's like, oh, you know, and I was like, as if you had a chance with her to state you. And he's like, oh, you know, she's done. And it's like, she's like, mate, she was leading you on. Like, no, nah, I'm not having a go. She's a piece. You know what I mean? And you're, yeah. and you are, you know, you pee yourself. When an, and now, to be fair, uh, you know, a ninja, a robo ninja does show up and you do pee yourself. But still, quite, quite embarrassing. 
Um, yeah, come on, man. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. He has the occasional sob. He's quite an emotional character. Yeah, he is. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah that, that is true. Yeah, no chance. No, I need to get on uh, Phantom Pain, and I need to because I've seen that constantly pops up on like IGN. Here's another hundred and one things you didn't realize you could do in the game. Like just so dense with stuff, you know. I know, like really, like you can that one in particular. You've saw because you're building this like. A mercenary army as well and the base so if even if you don't even want to do any of the fighting it's almost like kind of uh was it like roller coaster tycoon <laughs> where you could just build up this army mercenary base. sim um <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly where you could just have fun that way um well i i and like fair play but i i would never like i just uh, that stresses me out trying to like complete all the little side no, quests like that it's always too much is there anything you're playing at the moment do you do you get to play anything at the moment not really like my my flatmate has a playstation um but um he plays a lot more than i do i think ever since i moved to england i kind of weaned myself off but i do love crash bandicoot i like always have mm. and i always have there's one i downloaded it on because i still have an account and thankfully now if you have it if you bought it online you can just yeah, download yeah, yeah. it wherever and i still play that i think it's the latest one uh crash four mm. um just just in time back in time yeah something in time um so i love that as just kind of like a quick one where i can just hop on and play a few levels um but well, what outside of what that, do you do could ask because like i mean well i i don't know if this is a similar situation but because you know because my my comedy has my name on it you know mm-hmm. I, I find it difficult to 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 just separate me yeah <laughs> into other parts of me you know where it yeah. can, like you you i actually do need something and usually like a media to to properly unwind and just not think about me mm-hmm. <laughs> me for a while well, what's what's yeah. that for you oh uh, like for like um oh and like for stuff outside of comedy yeah. and like stuff to watch oh yeah and i'm totally the same i, I can't I find myself watching a lot less stand-up comedy these days as well because I'm just thinking about like what I would no, do. You know, yeah. I can't enjoy it. Yeah. Um, but outside of that, I love kind of shows that actually don't have that much at stake. Like, yeah. I, uh, <laughs> like just, uh, I'm always annoyed at plots. They keep throwing up problems. Why can't I have a TV show where nothing goes wrong and people are just fine with everything? Lately, I've been watching, uh, this week I've been re-watching, um, and to be fair, it is a little bit comedy. But it's uh, the trip. Oh yeah, you know, with Steve Coogan and Rob. Yeah, Lyon. I'd say I'll probably rewatch that like once a year, uh, and I just because it, it, it's a little bit funny. Like, but half the time it's kind of serious. There's like very low stakes, if mm-hmm. any. They're just going around lovely restaurants yeah. in beautiful locations, occasionally doing some fun impressions and just taking the piss out of each other. It's tipped up. I, I, I yeah, so I watch a lot of that. Did you see? Are, are you going to go see Alan Partridge? Have you seen the the live show? No, I wish I was. I really should have gotten on that. Mm. I, uh, I'm so jealous of everybody who's been. Have you gone? Yeah, it's really good. <laughs> oh man, man, I'm so. And I was rewatching really uh, this time with Alan Partridge there this week as well because I saw everybody was going. Um, I, but I love his sense of humor and his comedy. Um, stuff that's like really tightly scripted and just like joke after joke yeah. after joke. Just if, if there is one near you or if he's doing anything and even if there's like nosebleed seats or whatever like that i would you know yeah. if, if it's possible i would recommend because even just especially for you talking about your show seeing him just mm. kind of really not break the character uh, for for you know two hours and to play yeah. with stuff like you know his cameras on him and he's known how exactly to give the right face so that people are seeing that and that kind of emotion there's choreography mm. where he's trying to follow like the spotlight and getting it wrong and stuff it's like just pure vaudeville act oh, like just um 
you know, not to rub it in, <laughs> but it's good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll never see likes for the game. But if you get, if you get a chance, you know what I mean. <laughs> um, that sounds glad. Well, Sean, thanks very much. I've kept a lot of your time, and I really do appreciate you chatting with me. Um, oh, thanks so much for having me, man. I love the pod. It's an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Is there anything else that you obviously you have your live gig? Is there, um, which is May nineteenth? May nineteenth. Museum of Comedy. Right. Is there? Uh, is there anything else you'd like to plug? Anything else coming up? Um, at the moment, not really. <laughs> ah, you, uh, yeah, how are you dealing with that? <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm going inwards, yeah, I'll yeah. say. Um, no, I'd say just, uh, I, um, yeah, just follow me on social media, I guess. I, I, I do have a couple of sketch ideas in the works. One that I'm really excited for. Great. Uh, that I've, uh, but I can't say much. Okay. I can't say much yeah. now. Listen, you'll have to wait and see. Um, <laughs> But yeah, just um, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Sean Burt Show. Um, yeah, perfect. That's about it. Actually, yeah. do you know, there's one question I wanted to ask you as well. One last question. Mm-hmm. Because you're an adult yeah. man, you're a grown man um, <laughs> who has now found success uh, doing making sketches and no yeah. doubt get a lot of like notoriety uh, from it. How do you think you would have handled like having 115,000 uh, Twitter followers if you were like 19 and this had happened? Do you think oh my God. do you think it would last? Do you think you would have burnt out? Do you think I don't know what how, how do you think you would have handled it then when you were in the You know what? The that's hardware that's shop? such a that's <laughs> such a good question. I don't think I was equipped to handle that amount of people yeah. uh, following me on the social media and I think I would have balls it up big time uh i think i'd probably be uh because i i've been making new like i started on youtube like 10 years mm. ago and i was more of a kind of youtuber at that stage slash impressionist mm. and i could have very easily gone down that youtube route well i don't think i would have enjoyed it in the long run i don't i think i i see myself I, i'd rather people know what i make than who I am mm. if you know mm. what I mean and I think well, if you ever look back at an old tweet by the way like or an old Facebook status that you did eight years ago I cannot imagine posting that oh. like to a hundred thousand people <laughs> oh my god I always think this has come at the right time for yeah. me where I'm like so much uh, or just I, I, I think about what I say so much more than I used mm. to like on the internet not that I was even that extroverted in the past but I'm just much more uh i don't know what's the word just kind of introverted i guess yeah. these yeah. days but i think it's for the best um yeah i don't think i would have handled it well i don't think i would have maximized it well look if you um well maybe you wouldn't need this kind of timeline but um i i got this thing that uh, deletes all of my tweets after a year <laughs> really um like i don't know just in case <laughs> <laughs> just, just in case the top, like, just words change that quick, <laughs> you know, or something. Uh, but I, you know, you've got your entire backlog there, so I wouldn't recommend it for you. Um, <laughs> That's yeah, every video gone. Yeah. 